I no. think he just says he wants to offer it a he very wants to nice steak. Buy her butt dinner. But that's how much he respects it. What if know? he did want? I want to put a nice smoking jacket on that big old caboose. What if he wanted a bit of porterhouse in there and see if it fit? Well, that's again her booty, her choice. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 530 of The Podcast. I'm your host, Knox McCoy. And I'm your other host, Jamie Golden. The Podcast is a show dedicated to delightful idiocy, and we're committed to educating you on things entertained but do not matter. To find out more about these topical pursuits, check us out at knoxandjamie.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Podcast, and we're on Twitter at PodcastPod. Thanks for joining us this week as we are going to be talking The More You Know. But before we do that, you guys, today's episode, The More You Know, is a series that we do with our best friends of the show, our BFOTs, over on Patreon almost every week. But another series that the BFOTs get is our pilot program series, where Knox and I deep dive into the first episode of a TV series, and we share our thoughts and opinions. Now, this month's pilot program episode that just came out is Shit's Creek. And by the way, all six seasons of Ships Creek are streaming on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Now, previous pilot program episodes that you can listen to if you become a BFOTS right now include Friends, The OC, Desperate Housewives, Queen Charlotte, The Last of Us, Daisy Jones and the Six, and of course, the one you all want, MILF Manor. Now, this deep dive episode is available to BFOTS. You can get a seven-day free trial. Test it out. No commitment needed. And then if at day six, you're like, well, that was nice, but like, it's not for me. You can, you can bounce and it's no big deal. So just head to knoxandjamie.com slash Patreon or click the link in the show notes. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, Jamie, something more you know. The more you know. Um, okay, we are going to be talking all the news of pop culture this week. And Jamie mentioned all these awesome things we have in the can for people who just want to join us. If you like the more you know episodes and you want to get them three times a month, we've also, I'm not going to spoil this. Okay, I'm not going to spoil this. You promise? I promise. Okay. I'm just saying <laughs> we have something coming in January 
that's going to be really good and people are going to like want it and I'm not going to spoil it. They're going to okay? want it really bad and you are 100% not going to spoil it yet because it's literally still months away. Right. But gonna... like, I think my question is like, you know, everyone, we're always like, we don't spoil it, right? Right. Uh, until, until this. But then there's a gray area of like. It's not know, gray. There's there well there's uh, there's not right now. I agree with you. It's right. very not gray. It's but there right. will come a time where it is gray. No, it, I before, will agree with that. Before bef- it happens, yes. And that's what's right. that's my question? What's that window? It's just not before Thanksgiving, but it's after okay. Thanksgiving. I would say that's when the the clouds come in. Okay. Is that negative? No, but like the fluffy clouds, the, the happy good clouds, clouds, the, the rainbow clouds. Yeah. I don't know mm-hmm. much about clouds, but those feel like the good ones. So I'm just and saying I, that's th- right. it's a good thing coming. You know, and on Patreon, we do cinema side piece. And this month we did my favorite movie of all time, Mary Poppins, which you could also hear. Like, love it so much. And then next month, Knox is doing, would you say it's your favorite movie of all time? Um, or at least top th- five? Top oh, five. yeah, it is. I was like, what What movie are we doing? I don't remember. Top three. Easy. Top three. Easy. And we yeah. have put it off. We've said we were going to do it for years, and we're finally doing it. And That's it's gonna right. Be amazing. It's going to be it. You know who would approve? Ken. Ken. Ken would approve. The Mojo Dojo Castle would approve of this uh, movie right. choice, I think. Um, okay. Well, let's get right into it, Jamie, and talk about probably the most pressing issue um, of our time. Uh, yes. certainly in this generation, uh, mm-hmm. but specifically to this moment, how do we feel about People Magazine's newest sexiest man alive choice? Okay. So the question, the answer to how do we feel is old. We feel old because yeah. they selected Sir Patrick Galen Dempsey as the sexiest man. He's 57 years old. Um, Patrick Dempsey, who last starred in a feature film, in almost eight years ago, in okay. Bridget Jones's Baby, <laughs> um, and then also his last starring ro- role in a TV show was in Grey's Anatomy. Almost nine years ago is when he left. And so, People Magazine scoured the earth of all the celebrity, particularly all the celebrity men, and went, you know, who is the sexiest of all of them? It is Patrick Dempsey, a man that we really don't see very often, at least in the last decade. And you know, um, I. Look, I'm I'm not like in in the sexiest man streets, you know. That's not really the beat I cover. True. So whenever I see the news, I'm not like, "Ooh, I've got takes." Like that's ridiculous. I don't have like a hard opinion right. on that. But the more I like let it marinate and kind of like did a little bit of research, right? Um, saw the finalists, you know, saw right. who we were considering, right? Um, I I I got less clarity. I, I understood <laughs> the choice less because right. typically. It does feel, I mean, I'll just go ahead and say it. I think we all agree Pedro Pascal was robbed of this role, 100%. not just in general, but specifically this yeah. year, this of all years, year. to not get it, this makes the least sense to me. He has been in so many sexy things this year, mm-hmm. the last of us kicking it off. And mm-hmm. then even, I mean, I mean, it, I know now you've, you've ruined it and said that that's not even him in that Mandalorian suit that's at right. all. But it's his vibe. Uh, it's his vibe. He's credit it's for that. Voice. It's his yeah. voice that's attracting me to him and how he cares for Grogu. And uh, obviously the movie he did with Ethan Hawke where we got a little bottom. We got yeah. some Pedro bottom, which yeah, I really right. uh, am a fan of and maybe a screensaver on a, on a device that I do not have public. And uh, and then just his, his run on showing up in beautiful places like SNL and all the things. like And just being interviewed and you being like, oh my God, are you amazing? When he did the lie detector test on Vanity Fair, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, He's the best. I mean, his his run on SNL was great. I uh, I think I just needed a little like even if it because Jason Kelsey was a finalist, um, right. which sure okay, 
Why not? Again, I'm okay with that. that I did like when you read the summaries of all the people who were considered, you know, it was like Usher, he's obviously an icon in music. He's going to play the Super Bowl. Pedro Bacasol owned everything. Um, Jason Kelsey has a podcast that has only recently become famous because right. of you know who and right. is a father of three who just wants to have a good time. And it's right. like, this is not a Bachelor Ed bio. Well, let this me is ask, Sexiest Man. Okay? Well, let me ask you a question. You're an, a football expert. You host a, po- a sports podcast, right? Sure. Tell me, in terms of football players, would you put Jason Kelsey in the top 10 most attractive football players? Man, you know, uh, no, I wouldn't is the no, short answer not. to that question. He doesn't even play a sexy position. Uh, it's probably bottom three. You've got holder and punter is probably yeah. the, the least sexy. I think Kaker's a little bit more sexy than a center. Oh. There's a, you know, there's a um, a dad bodiness to him, you know, yes. and there's a, there's a, there's a charisma um, to Jason Kelsey. Not enough. Not enough to get on. Not this enough. Thing. My mother texted me immediately once it was re- announced and she was like, Jalen Hurts was robbed. If there was, was going to be a sports icon, she really, she just rides hard for Jalen Hurts. And I don't even know if he's a good football player, but she does yeah. love him. So, you know, I mean, are people, people are asking, is it, is, does Jan maybe need to pump the brakes on Jalen Hurts? Oh. People are people, some people are whisper saying, restraining order and they just, I just want her to be okay. You know, just really like pace herself. And she would say to those people, you shut your mouth. <laughs> You shut your mouth. Okay, sure. so let's talk about why it was Patrick Dempsey. And I can tell you exactly why it was Patrick Dempsey. Okay. So if there's any question, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I also don't understand, let me help you. So the uh, Sexiest Man Alive started in 1985 with Mel Gibson, who at the time was 29. He would not make the cut again for a variety of reasons. That okay? holds up well. Good stuff, that's, people. That's right. And so it was very 20s, 30s with a random Sean Connery thrown in in the beginning. But now the Also last- holds up really well. Good right, job, Sean. Exactly. Oh, yikes. And then in the last 10 choices, so the last 10 selections of the crown holders, only one of those men has been in his 30s. And that okay. is Michael B. Jordan. Okay? So everybody else has been in their 40s. And 50s. And you're like, well, do you have to earn sexiness? Do you have to be around a long time? No, 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 no. I, what I did was I downloaded People Magazine's media kit. Because okay. I was like, let's really get into this. Who's reading People Magazine? Now, it has three and a half million subscribers. Okay. Would you like to guess what percentage is over 35 reading 100. People Magazine? 100. 74%. Wow. And of that 74% over 35, 40% are over 55. So when 40% of your readers are Gen X and boomers, you are going to cater to Gen X and boomers. You are not this. Listen, because my mother and my mother doesn't know who Troy Sivan is. She doesn't know who Austin Butler is, who could have been a very viable choice. She barely knows who, uh, Ryan Gosling is. And mm. by the way, Ryan Gosling has never been the sexiest man alive because he does not because for those who don't know, you do have to consent to be the sexiest man alive. You do have to consent to it. They cannot choose you without your consent because they want you to participate in the photo shoot and the interview. And Ryan Gosling has always turned it down, including this year. Uh insider. he's like no means no people magazine. Don't do it. Yeah, especially consent this year. is consent is important. And so like it, that just makes sense because like Patrick Dempsey is Ronald Miller in Can't Buy Me Love in 1987. He's on that riding lawnmower. Yeah. With what's her face with the blonde. He's Andrew Hennings in Sweet Home in Alabama. And I know some of you might be like, well, that's not that long ago. Well, that came out 21 years ago. Baby. Yeah. I'm Best sorry. not to look at numbers on movies like that, you know? That's right. And even like the, even if you went back to like Enchanted, which you'd be like, oh, no, that was seriously like just a minute ago. Robert, the single dad in Enchanted, that came out 17 years ago. 
Oh, that's a long so, time. That's a big that's number. A, that's a long time, you guys. And so I just think, should it have been, listen, if they had really wanted to do it right, it would have been Travis Kelsey. That would have been the get. But oh, I do it's too think much. It's it would too be early. too much. It's too much and it's too early. I think they might have pitched it and he was like, how about this? You throw my brother a bone of yeah. sexiness, throw him a sexy bone, and I might agree to it next year, depending on how the next year goes. I just, I do feel a little waterboarded with Travis Kelsey right now. And I, and I love what? the guy, but he's in every single commercial. He's in Argentina. He's on <laughs> all the social medias. And I just, I, I just worried for him uh, about the exposure. I just I, don't think he can I, I think you're right to be concerned. Like, I, what, have you seen, I know your post-commercial, but you need to look up the Mahomes and Maato commercial where Patrick Mahomes pitches changing Travis Kelsey's last name to Maato so that the safe arm jingle goes a little Stop better. It. It's really good. It's, it's his best acting, uh, Travis Listen, Kelsey. my homes, I just got that. That's pretty good. Right? It's good. That's, That's a good commercial. Good. That's a good commercial. I That's like good that. Writing. Okay, good. Um, I wanted to do, uh, you know, with the Oscars, we do uh, like a retrospective, yes. you know? So I want to do like a sexy retrospective. <gasps> I want to do a, a sexy 5, 10, 20, okay? Okay. Uh, because I want to look up who, who, who got this five years ago. What, like, what are we looking at? What are we thinking? Right. And five years ago, the winner was Idris Elba. Okay, he Excellent took the crown, choice. wrestled the crown. Some people would say from Blake Shelton, which that must have been down <laughs> to the wire. Talk about how, talk about a year that people catered to my mama watching The Voice yeah. was the Blake Shelton year. The fact that we all turned around and looked at each other went, and as a collective, as a nation, went, huh? What? Like, what? I'm sorry, who? Like, yeah, I, yeah, like uh, follow the money probably with this, right, but there's 100%. a connection between the voice and people's sexiest man alive because 10 years ago, the winner was Adam Levine. And here's the summary and tell me how sad you get. Levine, 34, <laughs> has had quite the year. In July, he revealed his engagement to model, oh, shoot, Bahat. You know, the girl he cheated Bahati on. Prinsley. Yes. Uh, he also announced a line of fragrances, launched a clothing line, <laughs> went on tour, and continued to coach on the hit NBC competition series, The Voice. That's weird because they didn't know about the text yet of how he was nope. cheating on Bahati while she was pregnant. Don't yep. forget that. I'm not going to forget that he cheated on her while she was pregnant. I do not forget that. I don't remember what he said, Aaron. Maybe you can look it up for us. That booty is redonkulous or something something in the realm of yeah. that. What were the cheating texts? That it was like was sonnet language, but it was While like his that. wife was gestation, gestating their baby. Yeah. What were yeah. the texts? Yeah. So that was 10 years ago. So 20 years ago, a, a multi-time winner uh, oh. won, Mr. Jonathan Depp. Uh, and he edged out. Lord. The finalists were Nick Lachey. Russell Crowe and Justin Timberlake. God. And he did, he split the cover. He didn't get the whole cover. Okay. Normally they do a double, double like edition, yeah. right? He split it with Bachelor Bob, Bachelor Bob Guinea. Bob Guinea? Yeah, he couldn't Listen, even get the whole should thing. Should we do, should People Magazine do a special edition issue where they go, which sexiest man aged the worst in yeah. terms of going to prison slash being ashamed publicly. I think they need a disavow edition and just be like, this guy's oh, out. That's this perfect. guy's out. Sorry, Mel Gibson yeah. can't be against the Jews. Definitely no. not. No. You got to go. Sorry, my man. Yeah. There were some other, I, I saw something and they did like, uh, people did consolation prizes, you know, like technical awards, like sexiest okay. TV star that they gave out. Oh, um, that's nice. The winner of this, James Marston, uh, won this category. Listen. Any issues to that? We talked about, uh, we went away for the weekend on our girls weekend and we talked about James Marsden about how he has had the best year. And if he does not win that Emmy, we will ride in the streets Yeah, in January yeah. if he does not win that Emmy for- well, uh, If he doesn't, he's got sexiest TV star, not official, but it was polled. So he will have that to hang his hat on. That's good. Listen, he's a treasure. 
Uh, there was sexiest TikTok star. I didn't know any of these people. So Mitch, I was just going to see who I'm are gonna throw all, I'm going to give you all four. You tell oh. me who won and okay. you tell me like, like all right. Sure won. Okay. Okay. Um, we have Jalen Noble. Okay. You have Monet McMichael. Yes. Pottery Boy. Josh Richards and Aaron Matthews. Okay. I would say uh, Monet McMichael is not a man. See, they gave like five names with only short four pictures, and I'm just because not sure who's who. Monet and Jalen date. So oh, that is, I, that's my, that must be what that is. <laughs> that's my bad. That's my that, bad. So Jalen Noble is very hot. I would okay. I would give it to Jalen Noble. Ah, man, I wanted you to make the case for Pottery Boy. Because I don't know who that is, but I do want to learn more about that person because that's just a great name. Well, Pottery Boy was raised in a Pottery Barn and found See, his what way if he was to pot- TikTok. <laughs> if he was Pottery Barn Boy and like he was born in a Pottery <laughs> Barn and he did pottery, I think that'd be elite. Listen, he's marketing. just the Patrick. He's the Gen Z Patrick Dempsey. No, he's the Gen Z Patrick Swayze of TikTok. He, I think he looks like Jacob Elordi. But he's too little. Yeah, he looks like Jacob Elordi. Who? How dare you, Jacob? By the way, I heard you in that interview say that you were ashamed of the Kissing Booth movies. Nobody would even know who you are without the Kissing Booth movies. How, how dare you? Dare you, Jacob? Dare get you? out of here. Uh, sexiest podcast host. I just want to break the bad news. Neither of us got nominated. So <sighs> uh, it's devastating uh, for that. But um, Taylor Lautner. Uh, Nick Vile, Dax Shepard, and Dom Gabriel all did get nominated. Who do you think? Listen, this is me learning that Taylor Lautner has a podcast. Well, what? not only that, but he won hottest. No, podcast he host. did not. <laughs> Man, listen, let me tell you. T- hat tip to Taylor Lautner for humiliating himself all over this country during yeah. this era's tour as being the one ex that she can stand to be around. Yeah, and the fact that she lifted him up out of the "I'm married Taylor," like I'm married to Taylor Lautner. I'm also Taylor Lautner. Like yes. they're literally Taylor and Taylor Lautner. And the fact that he that Taylor Swift lifted him and lifted him out of the sludge of nobody knows who you are anymore. That's right. Like you wish it had gone the way of Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattinson, also somebody who could have been sexiest man alive, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. And the fact that he wins sexiest podcast, it's maddening. It's maddening. It, it's it is maddening. Um, I uh, I do think he's aging naturally, which I appreciate. Hundred oh, percent. Like he looks. You know. Good. Yeah. He looks. No. Uh, no. That's how. That's see. When you say that, that's how you say they're not aging well. Is they're aging naturally? That's like that's uh, that's the verbiage. You know how how old do you think Taylor Lautner is? Thirty-seven. Thirty-one. What? Thirty-one. Thirty-one. So yeah, oh I guess he's not aging well. Uh-oh. Gosh, but like I respect him for it because he's just like he's just going with it. Do you want to guess the name of his podcast that he has with his wife? Again, also Taylor Lautner. Tay Talk. Tay Talk. That would be it. I like that. That's a much better. It's just the squeeze. Just the squeeze. What? Come on, guys. What are they squeezing? Is I, it the-, the the convo? I don't know. Oh, Nothing good, yikes. probably. Aaron, any update on the booty verbiage? <laughs> I you, am you have been straining mentally. I can Aaron tell. Aaron has been crying off off air. Like she's just been like crying. These are reading. hilarious. Like this is so funny. Holy f! Holy effing f! That body of yours is absurd. How are you such an hourglass with the hourglass emoji? Seriously, f! I may need to see the booty. F with lots of K's. Watching your a jiggle on that table will permanently scar me, but otherwise, I'm amazing. A uh, swirly-eyed emoji. I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings into it. Wow. Nate may come to Maui and tattoo me and surf. Uh. Trippy, wow. this is so weird. I'm having another baby. My wife. Yeah, is I was pregnant. gonna say. He also asked for permission to name 
the baby after yeah. the steak yeah. dinner Again, booty. Flirting with a woman that he said, I would put a I would put a filet mignon in your a-hole. Yeah. yeah. Your name is awesome. Can I name my unborn baby that again, I'm cheating on my wife. Yes, emotionally cheating on his wife. Yeah. I can I name and I like the Bahati would have been I'll like go ahead and say cheating. I'll go ahead and say full yeah, of cheating. Was Bahati yeah. like, oh, is Kirsten a name like in your family? And he was like, yeah. no, I just saw it on the internet and I just loved it. I just I don't want to quibble with what you said, Jamie. I don't think he ever said he wants to put a steak in her butt hole. I no. think he just says he wants to offer it a he wants very to nice steak. Buy her butt dinner. But that's how much he respects it. What if know? he did want to I want to put a nice smoking jacket on that big what old What if he caboose. wanted to put a porterhouse in there and see if it fit? Well, that's again her booty, her choice. If they, right. <laughs> they want to do that, they can do that. This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor, Olive and June. As a longtime user of Olive and June and as the chairman and co-founder of the We Don't Wear Open Toe Shoes If Our Feet Are Not Presentable Club, I don't think we talk enough about their petty system. Listen to me. Now, the weather is getting warmer. I know you're going to be tempted to go out without just like even acknowledging your winter feet. Maybe need to just have a little buff. You know what I mean? And I'm going to need you to stop right now and order a petty system immediately. Like their Manny system, Olive and Jean's petty system comes with everything you need to get those feet ready and presentable without the hassle of going to a salon, including the Posey, which is this brilliant footstool that opens up and you can use it to store everything in. It also comes with a smoothing foot file and hydrating foot serum, which are both mandatory if you ever plan to be around me with your toes on display. I just love how generous they are. And they just sent us the quick dry spring collection and the Kalazog. Gorgina. They truly have the best shades, whether you like bright colors, pastels, or neutrals. The Kitten Quick Dry is my go-to neutral shade, but if I'm in the mood for something fun, I've been reaching for Flamingo, which is this bright coral pink shade that is just perfect for spring. Just like their regular polishes, the Quick Dry are super long-lasting, and the best part is they dry in just about a minute. I'm as obsessed with the Quick Dry for doing my pedicures as I am with the tab press-ons for my manis because they are so quick and easy and give the best results every single time. Visit oliveandjune.com slash podcast for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E.com slash P-O-P-C-A-S-T for 20% off your first system. So the weather's getting warmer and I'm so excited to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to dresses and tees. I'm so glad that I found Quince because not only can I update my wardrobe for the long haul, but I can do it without spending a fortune. Even penthouse Jamie, she's trying to save her cash dollars in this economy. But y'all know how I value quality and I want to find timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. Now, Quince has just restocked their $40 linen wide leg pant, which I am super bummed to try. They have such a nice drape to them and they're 100% linen, which means they'll be super breathable and I'll feel like I'm wearing no pants at all, which is my preference. I'm also loving the look of the organic cotton gauze roll sleeve shirt, which is also $40. Guys, true story. Like they have great pieces. I am obsessed with the cardigan I have and the sunglasses I have. The Leon sunglasses are dope. Their prices truly cannot be beat. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands because they partner directly with top factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics. They cut out the cost of the middleman and pass that savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pop for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash pop to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pop. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big, 
small ones, whether it's the stress that comes with planning a big event, having to redo the electrical in your entire house unexpectedly, or simply having to go on a picnic lunch when you'd rather be home pantless watching your favorite show. Stress is truly a universal experience that if left unchecked can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest and work through anything that's weighing you down big or small. I've truly noticed such a difference in my stress level since I started therapy years ago. Making it a priority and a consistent part of my routine has allowed me to relieve my stress in a very safe environment instead of bottling it all. As someone who has a hard time sitting in my feelings, it's given me the habit of reflection so I can identify and deal with stressors early on before they overwhelm me. BetterHelp is a convenient, flexible, and entirely online, making it easy to stay consistent. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash podcastpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash podcastpod. This episode is brought to you by Pear Eyewear. I just love a reason to celebrate a niche pop culture themed holiday, don't you? Whether it's April 25th, known as the perfect date, when all you need is a light jacket. If you know, you know, or better yet, May the 4th. I'll gladly go all in. I was trying to think of a fun way to decorate R2 Dust You in honor of this most holy day of the year. And then I found out that Pear Eyewear just launched a Star Wars themed collection. Now I think I might have to celebrate by getting some new top frames for me instead, because the force is just that strong in their newly launched Star Wars collection. You guys, I'm not even joking. These frames are so adorable. And when I saw that they had a Grogu gradient, I could not contain my excitement. They have 21 unique designs that are all perfectly niche in the most delightful way. Their interpretations of familiar Star Wars icons are like fun Easter eggs that you can easily snap onto your favorite glasses whenever you're in the mood for a change. I love that their frames are so affordable at just $25 and that changing them is so easy. Hearing that little snap when you change out your frames, so satisfying. From legendary battles to formidable icons, these epic designs are for true fans. And whether you side with the Rebels, the Dark Side, or the Mandalorian, Pair Eyewear has got you covered. One pair, infinite possibilities. Go to PearEyewear.com and use code POP for 15% off your first pair. And support the show by mentioning that the podcast sent you in your post-checkout survey. That's P-A-I-R-Eyewear.com, code POP. Okay, Jamie, let's do what's the word here. And we okay. have big news that I don't know that we're the most qualified to talk about, but we can just like <laughs> allude to it in in, in some ways. Yes. Uh, but the writer strike is over. I no, don't think anyone actors, else in Hollywood. The actor strike. Sorry. <laughs> One of well, all the people striking are not the writer, striking technically anymore. Technically, the writer strike is over. It just didn't yeah. just happen. You Jason, know? keep it in because I think I speak for the people when I'm just confused on everyone striking and then <laughs> no one striking anymore. That's basically the bill. That is right? basically what it is. So it was a 118-day strike, one of the longest labor strikes in Hollywood history. It was significant because it did overlap with the writer strike that went from May to late September. And of course, it's the biggest significance in my own personal life because it delayed that tennis erotica film with Zendaya and the guy who played yeah. Prince Charles in The Crown. I I want to see that so bad. Can I just be honest with you? As yeah. your friend, I think you need to cool your jets to quote Mr. Simpson. Right. I don't think that's going to be a very horny hot No, movie. you don't think it's going to be horny hot? I think it's going to be Those awkward. Those two little tiny men bookending Zendaya? No? You just said it out loud. You oh. Tell yourself what you just said. I feel like Is that anybody could book in Zendaya and I'd be down. I don't you know, know what, what bookend mean? means, so I just don't exactly. want to be a part of it endorsing. Exactly what Aaron, you will you Urban Dictionary bookend and just like <laughs> let us know what that means? Okay, okay, so let's talk about what the actors won in the strike. So uh, Fran Drescher, the nanny, also the president of the union, mm-hmm. uh, came back and let us know there were two big wins. The first was wages, which was really the big kicker. Uh, they originally wanted an 11% uh, wage increase for the first year of any acting contract. Studios came back and was like 5% final offer 
they ended up doing 7%. So, and then background actors did get the 11%. And then the other big win was for AI because there was a lot of concern that the issue would be, well, I mean, you're just going to build an actor and be like, it needs to have George Looney's hair and it needs to have Tom Holland's twinkle in his eye. And you can't have that. You have to have permission. And so they did get a consent and compensation guardrail for AI, which means you have to give an actor's informed consent before creating or using any replica or any part of an actor's body or being or voice or blah, blah, blah. Um, And they said that that was the final issue, that that's why the strike went so long, that the AI was so, it was the thing that the studios would not, they did not want to budge on. And they finally got that. And then little wins, there are lots, because it might seem like, well, is it just for those two things that took this long? But there were little wins about like... um, residuals for stunt performers, uh, hairstylists on productions with diverse actors have to have experience because if you've ever watched TikTok, you know, there's a lot of hairstylists and makeup artists who are like, Oh my God, your hair is so fun. I do not know how to style it, but I'm going to try. And then intimacy coordinators are now required on any scene involving nudity or simulated hoochie coochie. Okay. Okay. Now, What did they not get? And it was a big one. They did not get a percentage of streaming revenue. Now, they went in asking for 2%, which to be fair, 2% of streaming revenue is approximately $1 billion. That's not a joke. They pulled down and was like, okay, we'll take 1%. And that's why that was the heat check negotiation point. They were never getting that ever. And they were never getting it. it. That's right. And they were never getting it and they did not get it. And so what they got was what's called a quote, streaming participation bonus, which does sound like a trophy. Your kid gets in elementary school for spelling only one word, right. And the spelling bee. But what it is, is that that means now listen to this. This is chaos because it means if you are an actor on a Netflix show and you'll get a hundred percent bonus on your standard residual, if your show attracts at least 20% of Netflix subscribers in the first 90 days of the show. Which is a a huge, gigantic number. That's a huge number of people. And then the actor only actually gets 75% of that. 25% of that bonus will go back to SAG-AFTRA and they will kind of divvy it out among people who are not on successful shows, which Mm. I would argue will be almost everyone. There's very few shows that this will apply to you. And there's no way like Netflix, if that's getting close, like 80 days, probably take that off the main screen and you can't search and find that show probably. There's no way they would do that probably. There is no way that they would cook the data. I'm sure they won't. No. Absolutely not. Aaron, do you have an update on bookending as Urban Dictionary? Uh, There's one that says it's an offensive term for twins or other co-multi Multiples implying that they are not individuals. Oh, There's also okay. one that's like a sexual encounter that starts and ends with your favorite activity. Um, oh, I mean, that tennis. Is, I like that. Right. Tennis. Yeah. Tennis. I think you nailed it, Jamie. Uh, yeah, that's hello. The the movie. There's love in there. Come on. Don't act yeah. like it's gross. Oh, no. This says uh, French bookends would indicate you had. I know what you're thinking, Jason. Cut the whole thing, but nope. I think Jason, let it rip. Jason, no. you know? Jason, I want a pull quote. Can we do a clip vid Jason. of Aaron talking Jason. about bookending? <laughs> Jason. <laughs> okay, let's also do um, what's the word with the state of Marvel because uh, there was a Variety arc- article a couple weeks ago uh, that we held off on commenting on because we want to save it for this episode. Uh, but essentially, it kind of laid out 
the dark dystopic uh, present of uh, Marvel Studios. Uh, there's a book I greenlit a couple weeks ago or several weeks ago, the MCU, uh, where Joanna Robinson really kind of um, breadcrumbs how we got to this point. Um, but I think m- maybe the best way to kick this off, uh, Jamie, is to uh, recently the Marvels uh, came out uh, yes. and maybe talk about its performance at the box office a little bit. Okay, so the Marvels was a sequel to Captain Marvel that came out in 2019, and it's also a continuation of the TV series Ms. Marvel that came out in 2022. It was directed by Nia DaCosta, which was funny because one of the points, Nia DaCosta did The Candyman, and she actually, in post-production, with months to go, started working on another film. So if that right. gives you any indication of how this was going. And the Marvels was supposed to come out before Ant-Man. Yeah. Uh, it was having so many problems that it got delayed. So that just shows you how Marvel is like, well, I guess we don't have to go in order. But we kind of do. But we don't because we're trying I, to make it, things good. They do give the impression that and if you've read MCU and you read this variety article, you get the sense like everyone thinks they have this elaborate corkboard with everything intentionally released at a certain point. Yeah. It's all basically put like shoot stuff and then Kevin Feige will Frankenstein it together and that's, figure it out probably. That's hundred percent right. So uh the Marvels came out this weekend and you know I saw I think it was somebody from uh Vulture or A V Club that was like, well it was actually a low It was a low money weekend at the movies. But the interesting thing is we actually can go back the last two years because the Marvel movie has come out on this weekend the last Hmm. two years. And so this year we had the Marvels. Last year we had uh, the Black Panther sequel. And then we had the Eternals. And both of those movies did a lot better than the Marvel. The Marvels this weekend, first of all, I got 62% on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it in the bottom four of the the existing 33 movies that have the Marvel movies that have come out. By the way, that bottom four are all movies that have come out in the last two years. So Mm. if that's any indicator, we're talking Incredible Hulk did better than these films. And that is not a good movie. But it ended up making, uh, it made $110 million worldwide. Now, the problem with that is it only made $47 million in the US. And that is, because you're talking about a movie that probably cost a minimum of $200 million to make. Yeah. And, and I think too long, like don't care uh, kind of explanation is yeah. this goes back to really Bob Iger, Bob Chapek. They want to launch Disney plus during COVID. So they want to flood the zone with content, uh, Marvel, star Wars, other like the, tons of content, but specifically for what we're talking about Marvel. And then uh, what we understand now about the Marvel creative apparatus is they're not structured to handle more things because it all bottlenecks at Kevin Feige who fixes things. He's really good at kind of editing and seeing missing pieces and and getting it all together. And they also treated TV as like, this is really just like a 12 hour movie, which is a stupid thing. People say sometimes when they want to make their TV show seem like a movie and it's not true. Uh, And that's why we got, weird shows with weird pacing and uh, seemingly no like uh, cohesive unity to story and to uh, visual styles. And I think overall that process, I don't know if it's like 51%, it's just like the midification of Marvel content and 49% fatigue, but I feel like it's some cocktail that because for you personally, Jamie, like, are you, are you more underwhelmed with Marvel or are you like, I just don't care and I'm fatigued with this? No, I, it's really just like, I just don't know that you're doing anything interesting anymore. Listen, I would say if you, if I look back at the, the phases, cause we Marvel does films in groups called phases. There were 30 films in the first four phases. We're in the middle of the fifth phase, which mm-hmm. was Ant-Man, which I didn't watch until much later. I, ne- I did not see it in the theater and it was mid at best. Yeah. And then uh, we got Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the sad one. Yeah. Which I really liked. That's a James Gunn uh, deal. He is now running DC, so he's gone. So you're not going to get any of that mojo back. And then the Marvels, which I call the Marvels, colon, see, we'll let women store and stuff. 
Yeah, uh, they get their own stuff. They can have their own much. stuff. And, you know, listen, Rotten Tomatoes said, because I have not seen the Marvels yet, and but critics said the consensus was funny, refreshingly brief, because it was famously a, an hour 45, I think. It was elevated by the chemistry of its three leads. The Marvels is easy to enjoy in the moment, despite its cluttered story and jumbled tonal shifts. There was no rhyme or reason to the tone. So mm-hmm. you had a WandaVision, which I thought was wildly creative, yep. super smart. And, and the co-writer of the Marvels did write several of the WandaVision episodes. Right. So it was so creative and smart. And then even Loki, really smart, but yep. got weirdly complicated and actually ended up complicating the back end of all of Marvel. Instead of letting these just be these kind of one-off shows, like WandaVision just being this kind of one-off show, yeah. it didn't have to be anything else within the world. And then She-Hulk, which I actually liked. I loved She-Hulk. She-Hulk was so fun, but it didn't make any sense tone-wise in this world. It almost needed to be its own thing, but because they own it, they can do it. But again, She-Hulk cost $25 million an episode. Which so is what, just, and the article compares it to Game of Thrones at its height. Right. Game of Thrones owned the conversation. And I don't know that I've ever in my life had a conversation with anybody, not on this podcast, about right. She-Hulk. You know? no, <laughs> me, me either. I think if I met Tatiana Maslany in a Auntie Anne's in the yeah. mall, yeah. she'd be like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that I show. did do that, didn't I? I yeah. did do it. And so I think uh, Deadpool 3 is the next movie that comes out in July of next year. If you look at the next, so the gauntlet until, well, like just in 2024, you have Echo, which is, I think, a series, which evidently that is Dog Crunch Burger that right. they hated and they're trying to hide. But the weird thing, some of the buzz right now is it's so totally strange now because they got left, basically it was left for dead. And now it's so totally strange that it might be kind of like punk rock kind of deal. So it might actually be good. I don't know. And then February 2024 is Madame Webb, who is, that's Dakota Johnson, which I love Dakota Johnson. Don't say I don't, because I do. I I don't know what this is, though. Uh, You've got X-Men 97, which I think is animated. And then Deadpool 3, like you mentioned. Then you have Craven the Hunter with Aaron uh, Taylor Johnson. And then Agatha, the Darkhold Diaries. That's a weird slate for next year. That's a weird slate that... And I think that's the other problem is some people are like, I don't know if I'm supposed to watch these. And so you've got two groups. You've got people who are like, I like Marvel. And I would f- fall into this group. I like Marvel. I think Marvel movies are fun and they're escapist and I don't need them to be more than they are. But then when they get so complicated and characters are in seven things, I'm like, well, I can't keep up with this. You got to do a little primer. Say, hey, get to the theater 30 minutes early and we'll do a primer for you so you'll understand this. And then you have the comic book nerds who are like, how dare you? This is this you've changed everything, and because there's no way to keep it all. Well, have you a, seen what they just announced? Which is it's a terrible sign, but it's actually functional that they're going to start putting like in the in the picture or the poster like a little searchlight or something. If you no. don't need to know stuff, if you can be dumb dumb about it, then that's, you can watch this. But if this it's is, not there the or something, you'll have heard. to like you know pass your um, praxis test to be able to see this movie. Which is, it's just That's the dumbest thing. And I'll say this about Deadpool 3. The only thing that will be interesting in it is if the rumored uh, Taylor Swift cameo is true. Because I'd love to see her be bad, like be a bad actress and stuff. It's my favorite thing. Why Why are you trying to trigger me right now? I'm not taking the debate. Her butthole and cats. Come on. That's not. Well, it didn't. I'm saying the point, Jamie, that you are so easily making fun of is I'm saying if the buttholes had been in cats, it would have been. Oscar nominated, but because it wasn't, Possibly. no one took it seriously. But listen, there are how's five. how's the poop come out? Where's the poop going? I know. There are five screenwriters on Deadpool 3. Five. Yeah. Five. Well, you know, three of those are probably the comics, and uh, 
Blake probably took it past. No, no. So that's probably really he, just two no, is what I'm No, it's not hearing. origin story. We're talking about the actual. Maybe Rob McElhaney or one of the Wrexham people took a, took a run. So <laughs> it's really just one. Is, I is think I'm a screenwriter on Deadpool 3, uncredited. Congratulations. Like, that's thank awesome. You. Thank you. Um, any, any like, it's, it's a really, uh, India will link to the article and the show notes if you want to read it for yourself. But, um, uh, th- there are lots of little, just like nuggets dropped. Any one or two things that you saw that like, was a huge red flag to you when you were reading this, Jamie? Oh, it is the Jonathan Majors of it all. I just think it was a mistake to be like, let's have the same villain for 18 movies. Because- yeah, the funny thing is though, like when you read MCU, Thanos was a joke. Um, oh. what's the dude, the, uh, Joss Whedon put him in as a joke. Is a no. funny thing is a head nod. And then they do this like Palm Springs enclave gathering where they're like, what if we like led to him as being the big villain? And it worked out perfectly. And so like they accidentally happened to that. Now they have so painstakingly baked Jonathan Majors into everything they've done. Everything. And yeah. it's backfired massively in the it worst has. way possible. Jonathan Majors currently, just where it stands, is uh he uh is headed to a trial yeah. later this month, like soon. Where he will face domestic violence charges. He tried to get the case dismissed. It was not. Uh, Other people have come forward. There is some uh, video footage that is very damning. Um, And so it will be curious how this case unfolds. But the the end of it is it won't matter. Like it, it almost won't matter. I say that. I say it almost won't matter, and then I remember that Mel Gibson is directing Lethal Weapon 5, and so I know that in some ways it will not matter, sure. actually, in Hollywood. Cut to 20 years from now, Jonathan Major's Sexiest Man Alive. Wow, what a run for him. <laughs> we'll be like, do you not remember? And I get that they would be like, well, we didn't know, I mean, we didn't know he was that he and was that's allegedly fair. hitting I, people. I totally get like, that. Like, you think yeah. you should do your diligence, which I don't know how much was, it, it, it was presented as this was like an open secret that people knew. Right. Um, Marlo told me a joke this morning. She said, uh, she said something was so duckwood. And uh, I was like, what? What's Duckway? What's Duckway? Uh, about four pounds. Hey, She's got me. <laughs> God, do I need to have a kid? That's so fun. They sound fun. The jokes are definitely worth all the emotional investment you have to do. <laughs> all the terrorism in your home. I will say that the two things. Uh, when they were like, should we bring back Iron Man, Cap, Black Widow, and Thor? Whoa. Which they're coming back. If you read this, yeah. they're coming back. No, 100%. and you know why they're coming back? What is Chris Evans doing besides marrying a woman who is way too young for him? Like, what is he doing? He's like, oh, I'm not good in things. I was in that pain hustlers, which I think you described as it's fine. Like, just it's, enjoy it. Just enjoy I, it's, it. <laughs> I, it was my case for tolerating mediocrity, which right. is tough. <laughs> this is tough. They're but not gonna put do, that on the poster. That's right. But I think with. Robert Downey Jr., I really do think Robert Downey Jr. should leave this behind and let his legacy stand instead of this feels like, hey. See, I actually think he can. I think what you're saying is is 100% true. And uh, I think for Chris Evans, it's complicated because it's like I couldn't do anything beyond this. No, Uh, that's right. Downey's got Oppenheimer and he's going to be in the Oscar. So he can. It's almost like I can return and this will be fun. And I'm like a cool senior who are a cool like ex graduate, and now I've got he yeah, yeah the multiverse, blah blah blah. I can't uh, believe I, I, you know, Tom Holland broke the Spider Verse again or whatever. Uh, now I'm back. Well, <laughs> zany music, but um, I think the because in MCU the case is made that uh, Robert Downey Jr. only got killed off because they didn't want to pay him any more money because he started right. with back end. And the more yeah. movies you do, the higher that paycheck goes. Yeah. And so they were like, we can't, we can't afford Robert Downey Jr. So he, ergo, he has to die in this storyline. But now that things are getting a little dire, 
they're certainly going to make the case to bring him. And I do think, and you said this many times, and I do think it's true. When you create no stakes storytelling, yeah, because everyone can live forever and everyone can come back from the dead, you you are doing lazy storytelling. That's right. Like, That's yeah. right. I did uh, uh, one, another thing really quick. Uh, they want to pivot maybe to Doctor Doom, who I don't know anything about Doctor Doom because I don't, I didn't like read the comics or anything. Right. But I was reading up on him, like what's mm-hmm. his deal, and he's just like he's kind of like Reed Richards, but he's like evil because he got his face scarred because an accident happened or something. Right. Uh, but I was like, one of the things that uh, like the Fantastic Four just keeps dunking on him. He's he's supposed to be super smart, but he gets tricked really easy. And uh, in in one like series, the Fantastic Four hypnotized him into thinking that he had beat them up and killed them and then also destroyed America. So he just stopped trying to hurt them. And then he visited America and he was like, what the, wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I don't think too, that we are looking closely enough at these comics and going, Hey, there's some problems in here. Are these good? Yeah, are these, do, do we these know? These are not all good. These are not all good. The last yeah. one, the blade, uh, the blade little uh, nugget that they dropped, where they had Mahershala Ali signed on to right. do a blade reboot. Love um, it. And they went through five writers, two directors, one shut down six weeks before production, and then uh, it cites someone familiar with the script said at one point the story turned into a narrative led by women and filled with life lessons, and blade Absolutely was not. relegated to the fourth lead. Mahershala Ali. Multiple time Oscar we, winner was just going to be a guy. In no, Blade. listen, we are not doing Little Women in the Blade. Like we're not doing that. Like okay, we're not. You say doing that, but that. now I'm back. Now I'm back. I'm completely listening. <laughs> First to Ali, I feel like everyone has, like he needs a new agent. Like who will not get him trapped in these crazy gigs? Do you think I they just, watched the like the uh, the road trip movie, uh, the the Green Book, and they were like, you just sit in the back seat and like. <sighs> Make white people feel better about, you know, even Marshall Ali is like, I got to win an Oscar for something other than that. You guys yeah. like, I got to get that off my, like my last Oscar win list. It's a little tough. It's a little <laughs> tough. Every spring I'm reminded that there's nothing like a fresh start in spring cleaning. This year we're taking things one step further with our spring refresh at the McCoy house. Sure. It's been a lot of work to get here, but we're all so excited to settle into our new space. If you've ever moved before, you know, there's nothing like the first night in a new room and the difference that soft, breathable, all new bedding can make bowl and branches significant signature sheets are the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep and are designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They're made with the finest 100% organic cotton and feel incredible on night one, yet they still get softer with every single wash. Bowl and Branch very kindly sent us a code to try out their sheets and I, and by I, I mean my wife Ashley, picked the signature hemmed sheet set in cream. We both were so impressed that the quality and softness were so good and so nice. They were super breathable, which I'm also thankful for with summer just around the corner. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bull and Branch. Go to bullandbranch.com slash podcast for 15% off your first sheet set plus free shipping. That's Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash podcast for 15% off. Exclusion supply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Okay, Jamie, let's uh, wrap up here with Trailer Park. We got a couple interesting trailers uh, yes. recently, and we wanted to talk about them. First up, you know, I'll let you pick. Which one do you want to do first? Oh, let's do Inside Out 2. I'm very okay. excited about this. Inside Out 2. What were your feelings on Inside Out, uh, the original? I loved Inside Out. I dressed as sadness for right. Halloween. I love this movie because, I mean, Bing Bong, we have a you, Bing Bong. That's right. Wait, is that what it says? Where is it? I it think it fell is. Off. It, fell it fell off. fell off the wall. And Bing, it broke. Bong. Bing Bong wow. fell off the wall. Bing Bong can't even have that. I know. You know? But wow. I I love that movie because I just think, I don't know, it's a universal story, but told in a really creative way, unlike most Marvel films. So I love it. Yeah, it's uh, what a creative way to deal with like the uh, the young uh, psyche of yeah. a child. Yes. Um, almost like so real that it hurts to watch a little bit, oh, but like you're absolutely. in awe of the creativity. I think uh, for this one, it seems like in the trailer, the big spice is that like anxiety's in the building and also right. anxiety's got a friend like a little sidekick action I, that i don't know anything about i do um, love that but i yeah i'm uh, i'm interested to see because there were there were some voices i recognized there were some voices i didn't recognize though. okay so let's talk about it so also this trailer this teaser trailer was the most watched animated film trailer in disney's history what? like what the day it launched yeah so it's the sequel to inside out that came out in 2015 the as as a reminder you have the t- now riley is a teenager and yeah. has angst right so we get back amy poehler as joy and we get phyllis smith as sadness and lewis black as anger but uh fear was previously voiced by bill Hader, and right. now is being replaced by tony hale Okay. And then Disgust was originally voiced by Mindy Kaling and right. now will be Liza LaPera. And the reason is, so Amy Poehler was offered $5 million plus a back-end deal okay. on Inside Out 2. And Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling, along with uh, Phyllis Smith and Louis Black, were all offered $100,000. And so Bill Hader, Bill Hader and Mindy Kaling said, uh, well, first of all, we were a version of ourselves then. We's much more, we've much richer and much more talented now than we were then. So we are not going to do this. And, and listen, Pixar went, you know, I know that the first Inside Out did make $857 million, Yeah, but we cannot afford a penny more. And so we will just replace you and people won't care. And weirdly, that is true. People I think care. they're right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, like, good for Bill Hader and Minnie Kaling for being like, I'm valuable. I'm worth my time. Yeah. I need more money. Um, I also understand why they aren't getting paid because I don't think it's that – It's that. Ne- it, would, it would be different if you're, like, replacing the voice of Puss in Boots in the new Shrek with somebody yeah. else. I would not love that. Right. Because um, it feels like so Antonio Banderas' uh, signature. But, like, with this, yeah, like, I, I don't think I need Minnie Kaling or Bill You Hader. don't. But I do think a marketing department would say – hey, it actually would be really great to have, mm. especially if this comes out when Minnie Kaling has a series coming out or, you know, in, in the next season of one of her series that's coming out. Or if you have Bill Hader, like, launching a new series that yeah. he's going to be in. Because I don't think, nobody think, and I love Tony Hale. Like, obviously, I'm, like, like he's one of the few what? famous people that You're I've met in You're saying that in a way that you don't actually No, I do. Hale, I met honest. him in real life. I made him hold my purse. Like, yeah, the uh, more you Gary, do this, the, the more it sounds like you don't Stop respect it. him, probably. But, like, I, do you know who Liza LaPierre is? Can you name one thing that she's Um, in? Yeah, you know, I mean, so many things come to mind. It's I know. hard to, like, keep them separate. Well, she probably. currently stars in The Equalizer on CBS. Okay. So I don't think she's going to be far enough up the couch on any nighttime show to be able to do some of the press. Now they got the Gen Z, they got them a Maya Hawk, which is yeah. a get she's playing. She's doing the, vo- the voice of anxiety. So that will be a bonus. And I, I did like the model of it. Cause I am interested in the teenage brain just as a, you know, as a rule. 
I'm back. Uh, Liza Lapierre, fun fact, she was um, Emma Stone's friend in Crazy Stupid Love, who was kind of like secretly in love with Ryan Gosling at the table. Right. Everybody remembers her and her iconic turn. Don't do that. Don't disrespect <laughs> Liza. I, I just, my biggest question is, well, two questions. Yes. Do you think Bing Bong, Ghost Bing Bong comes back? Yes, hundred percent. One hundred percent. It's like it'll be like Obi Wan Kenobi, like the ghost version. The oh, you think Bing Bong's Bing Bong's the like Force a freaking ghost. Jedi? It'll be the Force ghost of Bing Bong. Oh, Bing Bong's a Jedi for sure. What a terrible Jedi voice, but I love it. That's so much <laughs> chaos. Aaron, will you take your kids to see this? Because I don't know if that I can like. I don't. I'm not interested in being. As someone who has anxiety, would you? Do you want? Is is the voice of your anxiety Maya Hawk? No, no. Is it more of a musician? Is it? It's more not a, a voice. No. It's just a feeling of yeah. abject panic at all times. Right, right, right. So like being and there's trapped no actor in a bottle that, of mayo, and there's no actor you know? that equates that in your mind. No, not really. Okay. Um. No, I will not go see this in the theater. I will watch this three years from now. Mm, right. That's smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like so I we, just watched the first Inside Out the other day. Oh, for the first time. Oh, and it came out eight yeah. years ago. So. Yeah, it's okay. good. I like you have any, it. Oh. You have any original timely takes on uh, Inside Out, the the original? What do you think about Bing Bong? Pretty cool, huh? Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. Bald. Marlo yeah. and I were sobbing. Yeah, it's tough. It's I good. mean, guys, that they should not be allowed to do that in children's movies. I don't know no, why. I why, disagree. Why do Respect. The- no, but Respect like, for why? killing him off. Because you know what? That's the Guardians of the Galaxy. They didn't. I, I love Rocket Raccoon. They should have freaking killed that little guy. And I love him, but you got to like, you got to make people believe. Here's know? my thing. Here's my thing. We used to be like fighting the powers of hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like we Maleficent powers of hell. We used mm-hmm. to be fighting dragons. We used to be fi- Now we're fighting like our inner childhood family systems. Like right. I just, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do that. I want to fight what the we're powers doing. of hell. But that is what we're doing in real life. I don't want to do it on, when I'm watching a movie. Like I don't want to yeah. do it when I'm watching a is movie. Is it like with uh, Encanto when it's like family dynamics are up? They're the villain. And yeah. it's like, yeah. I don't, I don't like want to. I don't, like I don't want that. I'm doing that in real life. I would like to yeah. take a break from that. I don't want a movie to tell me no matter how hard you try, your kids are going to feel like you <laughs> on them all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need, need that. that. I don't need that. I'm already dealing with that in real time. Watching Inside Out after we moved our kids and they were the new kid at school trying to find no, their new activities. No, I was like, this is not. too yeah, you really. I get that you really want your kids to be like, the enemy is a demon from mm-hmm. another world. Yes. And right. I'm pretty cool compared to that. And I'm, I'm dead. Awesome. I'm I've died. So yeah. aren't you glad I'm here? Right? Yeah. Yeah. That parent is dead, but I am here. There is Pristine something to be said memories. for the, the Disney princesses with all their dead parents. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, it makes I, a lot that, more sense now. That's what I'm saying. Um, Jamie, Ghostbusters, I don't know if there's a colon frozen empire, but I'm gonna put one there because I don't care. Oh, it is it's, colon frozen empire. Okay. Uh and that's important because I what is this? Who is this for? Listen, Why do we have this? Look, okay. So first of all, I was like, is this Anna and Elsa crossover? Is this oh. Empire Strikes Back? Is this Empire of the Sun? Yeah. Which one of this? But no, it's none of those. This that, is... If this was a, a Frozen crossover yeah. and Elsa's being a real B word and that's what this is about, I would be interested in that all of a sudden. Or Elsa has died and this is her ghost, and, but she's like, I can still do stuff with ice even in the yeah. other world. Like, I will or if, bring... What's the little what's the little snow guy? Josh Gad. What's his name? Olaf. Olaf. Olaf is like... And it's like, Olaf, I don't like warm hugs anymore. Olaf is the new... What's the slime? The slime guy. Slimer. Whoa. Slimer. That's good, man. I love it. We can write I that. Really well, like that. the reason this happened is because, you know, uh, the Reitman family was real mad yeah. that they made a girl Ghostbusters. And you so they were put like, Leslie Jones in one of our movies. We're they, react. they were not having it. And so they were like, back to boys only. Yep. But we will let that main boy have a wife because that's oh. how Hollywood works. And though Carrie Coon 
who needed a beach house, was reduced to being the wife of Paul Rudd, and they lived in Oklahoma. And that's how we got Ghostbusters uh, colon afterlife. Uh Now the family's headed to New York with the original Ghostbusters. Did you see Ghostbusters Afterlife? I did. And that was, it was fine. It was was beautiful, well shot, but it was like watching nostalgia made sentient and like stroking itself off in a a mirror. You know, it was like, this is something. I didn't think we'd get another one, right? No, and listen, can I tell you that the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, they do awards every year for media and they they do classics like best film, best screenplay, blah, blah, blah. Then they do special categories, including uh, the remake that was a waste of time. Mm, sequel or remakes that are a waste of time and Ghostbusters colon afterlife was nominated but it did not win unfortunately space jam colon a new legacy did win wow uh, that's that a good award call, they also by the way they do a category called she deserves a new agent award <laughs> and by the way in last year it was bryce dallas howard for jurassic world dominion uh, rebel wilson for senior year anna de armas for blonde and margot robbie for babylon <laughs> I don't know about Margot Robbie. I don't know about that. And she did not win. Ana de Armas, of course, did win. And I do agree with that. Ana de Armas does need a new agent. Yeah, she probably does. I don't think anybody knows. Men don't know what to do with her. But you know, the interesting thing is somebody was like, Afterlife made so much money. And I've looked it up. It made $200 on a $75 million budget. That is profit. I'm not saying that's not profit. And it does. I will say this trailer does look really, you're right. It looks really good. So that's a, they're doing a good $75 million. It looks, I don't know if it's just all in the trailer, but it does look really well done in terms of CGI. Now, I don't want to disagree with you when it feels oh. like we were agreeing on something. Oh, I no. don't think this trailer looks good. Oh, I no. think it looks I liked stupid. when all the people at the beach were like, uh-oh, I'm on a Ferris wheel and I'm about to die. I like it was that. like, let's do Jaws, but oh, let's right. do, instead of a shark, what could be more menacing than a shark? Icicles coming up out of the water. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Listen, freezing is bad. Like lots it is of people bad. die. People die every year from freezing. I just when when you got to bring in Dan Aykroyd, you got to dust his old dusty balls off to bring. Yes. Like, uh, Dan, explain what what this is. Like literally, say what's happening in the trailer. And he says it's the death chill. It's the I'm reading this verbatim. The power to kill by fear itself. Your veins turn to rivers of ice. Your bones crack. The last thing you see is your own tear ducts freezing up. And then Patton Oswalt is trying to enthusiastically like tell us that Listen, this is going to go. When I heard Patton Oswalt, Oswalt, I was like, "Wow, what's going on here? What's happening?" Yeah. That's a that's a nerd pander pick. I don't. I think I don't know. Like, it, uh, it's weird to see a movie that doesn't have like to be IP driven, but I don't know like what the IP is building towards. Like, I, and maybe this is like a really big deal villain in the Ghostbusters universe. I, I don't know. I'm not what universe? What are you talking? What is That's what the I'm IP? Saying. I don't think there's any existing IP for this. And is, is, like, there, is this a yeah. Paul Rudd movie? Is this a Finn Wolfhard movie? I don't know. Oh, no. It's both. It's the People's Sexiest Man Alive group and that TikTok group. We need to oh. appease both of them. And they like there are women who will be like, ah, oh, Paul Rudd, what is that skincare routine? And then there'll be people that are Finn Wolfhard and they're like, oh, my God, I love his hair. Look, I, I know that like, he's not Finn Wolfhard's biological way. father. His hair is Duckway. Ah, uh, look, I... <laughs> I think people are going to love that. And they'll be like, those are their spouse. And they'll say, what is it? What's Duckway? And I hope their spouse say about four pounds. Guys, let us know if you use this on your family. Um, But I know Paul Rudd's not biologically his father in this movie. But they do feel – it almost feels like the the Matthew Perry, Zac Efron movie where they were supposed to be related. Like it's a good match. 17 again. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Aaron's always representing. It does feel like a good match in that way. But it also feels like neither of these guys need to be their own – 
they're not like they don't deserve their own team. They don't like they can't make their own movie. You know, they need oh, other people to like yeah. like he needs Millie Bobby Brown. Paul Rudd needs like literally anybody else. Um, because I feel like he's a little overexposed in that way. Finn Wolf like because I, when I was looking at him, I was like he kind of feels like Hot Topic Chalamet, but he doesn't have like the charisma <laughs> that can carry. Like Chalamet can carry, you know, because when he was on he SNL can. this weekend, I was like this guy's incredible. Lee. Moly, him not even trying to have the accent of one Troy Savon, but yet I was like, he's basically Troy Savon. I don't even know who that is, it's, but I was like, I'm fascinated exactly. in this person. But he was that might have been the best like 25, impression. first 25 minutes of SNL. When he when he smoked cheddar that getter, he owns that person. He is smoke cheddar that getter. He just is, you know. Um, okay, well, that is our conversation on the more you know. Uh, as always, if you have thoughts and opinions on our thoughts and opinions, please let us know. Nice slash 530. All right, Jamie, you want to do some lights? <gasps> Let's do some lights all right what is your red light this week okay my red light this week is my dms and because i got two types of dms all weekend long okay my they first started off with i cannot believe you're not obsessed with taylor and travis like we all are and guys i am i am i literally while on a girl's trip read headlines from the argentina heiress tour show that travis kelsey attended out loud to aaron as we played the phone version of Telestrations called Gartic Phone, we'll include a link. It was a very fun game. Yeah. But Erin, when I told you that Taylor Swift had changed the lyrics to Karma, what was the sound you made? <laughs> exactly. She spun around in that swivel chair. She was so giddy and so excited. And I was too. I love a good reality show that is real. Like, I love it. But is it real? Okay. So that's the second DM that I was getting a lot of, which is, do you feel dumb now that you said it was PR? Let me address that. Wait, wait, okay? wait. And, and because he went to Argentina, that's. Oh, they're going to get married. Nice. It's like, it's like. They're practically married now. At Christmas, like, when you can download the Santa tracker and show your kid, <laughs> it's like, that's proof. You dummies, they use a satellite. Do you think they'd use a satellite for your stupid <laughs> fake fiction? No, of course he's real because the satellites are involved. That's get exactly here, right. You exactly. Idiots. Well, listen, so let me address it. So first, what you're assuming when you DM me that is that you're assuming that PR is an insult. PR relationships, by definition, are just mutually beneficial relationships. Sometimes they're mutually beneficial with image and uh, fame and stories. Sometimes yeah. they're mutually beneficial with some time in the bedroom. Sure. Okay. They might be bookending each other. I don't know. Right. Okay. Wet macaroni noises, stuff like That's that. That's exactly right. But PR relationships are just a strategy. And let me just say, um, you might need a relationship strategy if perhaps maybe the person that you were dating right before this new person was a misogynistic racist putz who did appear on a neo-Nazi podcast while mm. you were holding his hand in a <sighs> private club in New York. That's what I'm saying. So Taylor had some headlines that she needed to bury despite keeping maps where she where she put them, okay? And those headlines were Maddie Healy. Also, Taylor has a long history of having PR relationships, both romantic and friendship. Do you think all those women that are in that bad blood video that she sends them Christmas cards every year? No, she does not, okay? Some of them, yes. Some of them she's really friends with. Some of them she is not at all, okay? So what are the benefits of this PR relationship? Listen, Travis, he's gained 2 million followers in one month on Instagram. That translates to cash dollars, okay? His podcast with his brother, which was never in the top 200 of all podcasts, is now consistently in the top 10, okay? Any endorsements for him are now worth twice as much as they were worth previously. Now, you might be saying, and it's the common thing I hear, well, Taylor doesn't need PR. She does not need PR. That's right, to sell albums or sell concert tickets. She does need it to get a Super Bowl gig. 
She does mm-hmm. need PR to break Grammy win records and get exclusive theater deals for a self-produced concert film. She does need it to bury criticism about all the ways she is the number one offender of private justice usage in the world and how she doesn't use her celebrity for social change in the ways that almost all other artists at her level of fame do. Plus, listen, she's a brilliant songwriter and performer who has gone on record multiple times, including in her own self-produced documentary on Netflix, talking about what recognition means to her and what relevance means to her. Do not underestimate the woman who wrote the song Mastermind that appears on an album that she released the teaser for during what? An NFL Thursday night game between the Saints and the Cardinals. The Mm. same mastermind who dated a man for six years that we never saw Kiss in public because she told us on the record that she did not want us to see. And she wrote at least 16 songs about that guy, including your new favorite song, Endgame. That song's about Joe. Now, she can make it about Travis now, and that's great, and that's super fun. But she's a mastermind indeed. And when you pretend that she's just a lovesick girl who just loves them, and that she ran off stage and then waited that three feet before that black curtain to kiss him, And you think, well, that's just because he was waiting on her where no other celebrity has waited on her in an entire year of shows. Isn't that interesting? But suddenly, listen, let her be the mastermind that she is. And if it's a good time, good time for us. Like, I appreciate the craft. I love the craft. And I love that she threw us a bone. But like all this, like y'all, it's just particularly the Swifties. Some of y'all are just joining in and being like, this is a good time. And I think that's great. But the Swifties who are so hardcore. You're the same people who are like, Joe and Taylor are not broken up until she tells us herself. Well, they were. They were broken up and they had been broken up for months while she stooped Maddie Healy. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, she's I really do, smart. You, you forgot to, um, uh, one of the things that she's responsible for is getting Jason Kelsey a finalist as most yeah, sexiest. Guys, which you there's no way episode. that Jason Kelsey would have been on that list. I know you were like, no, we watched the documentary with his family. He's very sexy. No, what? Don't do that. Don't don't rewrite history just because you want it to fit a narrative. Now, Let will her do that. I, I am I'm actively rooting for this the uh, the PR spin yes. zone of all spin zones where this was a PR relationship, but then it turned into something so much I more. Know. That's what I'm rooting Listen, for. Listen, I love Indy, Indy, who is very passionate about this on our team, and which I love. And she was like, "Look, Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt were a PR relationship that became real," mm. and then he. Stomped on her so aggressively. Well, and I don't so think he was viciously. Stomping on her. He was. Well, he was stomping doing on somebody something else, else aggressively. Yeah. Uh, he was booking in that Angelina Jolie. I'll yes, he was. That. Yes, he was. Um, my red light this week is um, it was announced, uh, maybe I think it was today, that Denzel Washington and Antoine Fuqua are attached to a movie project for Netflix, <gasps> uh, covering one of my top five ancient figures of all time. And I'm just. I'm just worried. Like I'm, I'm going to oh, get no. my hopes up. I need this to be good. I've got a lot invested in this. Um, so I, like, I'm just, I'm at a crossroads here because I don't know if I want to invest all my time and energy in reading about this. Okay. Or... Can I pause? Yeah. You, you said an ancient hero. Uh-huh. Like in my mind, I'm like the Godfather, but okay. you so mean. So the seventies are ancient from, from I, I, I don't know this news. So I, I don't know who it is. Okay. Is it like, like a, like Rome ancient? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. Oh, it's Roma Jace ancient. <gasps> oh. Uh, and it is uh, the um, Carthaginian general Hannibal, um, one of my favorite guys oh. of all time. I greenlit a book about him earlier this year. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. he's like uh, widely regarded as one of the best military strategists of all time. Um, they, like people still 
are like, we should do the Hannibal. We should do the Hannibal thing he did, you know, yeah. like even in Gulf War, they were like, I think <gasps> we should go to the Hannibal plan playbook wow. and do this. And this is the guy, uh, he's, he's just a maniac. He's fighting Rome. And they were like, well, let's block him off so he can get here. And he was like, you know what I'll do? I'll cross the Alps with elephants. And that's what I'll do and surprise <gasps> everybody, which he did. And even like when, when they were in the Carthaginian Wars, um, they, uh, the Rome, the Romans, the, the way they beat him was to just avoid him, not fight him because oh. they were so scared of him, which is the most unroman thing to do. It was called, it was this strategy used by this guy named Fabian or uh, Fabius and they call it the Fabian strategy now, which is like, I'm not going to fight you. I'm just going to ignore you. So it'd be like an end game. If they're like Thanos, we're just not going to, we're just not going to take your calls. We're not going to like re- respond like, to your talks. We're going to leave you on red. Like, we just like, don't know. Like what? I'm know. sorry. I didn't get you. I'm going through a tunnel Thanos. Like, and that's what the Romans did with this guy. Cause they were so scared of him. Now, Denzel, I don't know if Denzel's attached to play Hannibal or if he's going to be like an advisor. I need him to be Hannibal, but he's a little old for Hannibal. So I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'm just, I'm just worried because there's a lot of on this. Because you, you want it to be good because you love this figure. You don't want it to be a bad. Can I be honest with you? A- I'm worried this is going to be like Mary Poppins when they rebooted it with Emily Blunt. Absolutely not. And I'm sure you it were very, you were, it you was were also very invested. It was very upsetting. It was very upsetting. not what I want. Yeah. yeah so I'm worried it's going to be like. So is there an example of a, a historical figure that there has been a movie made about that you were disappointed in the outcome? Like that you were like, I, I really was fascinated by this figure, but I was kind of sad about how you know, it, it hasn't happened yet. Napoleon. Oh, okay. I'm going to see how that goes. I know. Because like Napoleon was so freaking horny. Like you don't even know how horny this guy was all the time. <laughs> Really? Because he was writing letters to his lady. That tiny was, little man. Oh, he, see, the, the historical uh, fiction, he was actually average sized. But his enemies were like, like 5'11? Let's, let's call this guy Short King, Short King, Short King. <laughs> and then they'll think he was short, but he actually wasn't. Um, uh-huh. But he was like, he would write, and he'd be like, I'll be home in like two weeks. Don't shower till I get home. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. He Gross. was a nasty boy. Nasty boy. He had and, to live and, on that island, right? He had to end up living on an island for a little bit. Right? Yeah, yeah. They they okay. sent him there. But I'm just like, is, are they going to be honest with us? Are they going to talk about well, like what a big old gigantic horn dog he was? Um, and if so, if they appropriately show him as a big old Italian horn dog. Then I'll be like, this is good stuff, guys. I do Thank think you. Joaquin can pull that off, to be honest. I think he definitely can. When yeah. I, the, the first, what was the the master? The first thing in the master uh, where he's no. like yeah. self-pleasuring yeah. into the Pacific. Mm-hmm. I was like just like, it. ooh, I don't know what I want, signed up for. It's too early in the movie for this. I <laughs> just really sat down is. with my popcorn. Yeah. Good Lord. The, the butter's still on my hands. I don't like this. This is Listen, weird. You know, to be fair, I, I feel like we are very similar in the thing that you're concerned about this historic figure that you love. I'm also concerned about... Uh, Michael B. Jordan mm. bought the rights to the Fourth Wing series, right. and I too am like, is it okay for him to play Zayden? Because I do want him to play Zayden. Yeah. But the problem is, the girl she's seventeen in the book, so I am going to need those ages to come up a little bit because he is not seventeen. Well, but what if the first line of the movie is like, "Man, it's so crazy, you're twenty three. You know? Yeah. No, I need. I, I literally need. I, it's so weird that no, I need her to probably be twenty five. I need her brain okay. to be fully developed. So yeah. I do need her to be like, wow, we have to go to this graduate school at 25. <laughs> yeah. You look so young for 32. This is so neat. Anyways, exactly. I do need into that the to story. Happen. Yeah. I think that's so you could do that. That'd yeah. be fine. Yeah. That'd be fine. Okay. What's your green light this week? Okay. My green light this week is a limited series on Netflix. It's eight episode and it's called Bodies. Now listen, it's set in London. It is a like a crime thriller, little gushy little gory. Okay. Okay. Um, The show opens with the appearance of a dead body on Long Harvest Lane in London. And then the exact same body appears in the exact same street 
in four different time periods what? in 2023, 1941, and 1890, and 2053. Wow. And so you have four different detectives in four different time periods trying to solve the exact same crime of this same exact dead body. And it is so interesting and so like the actors, I'll see here's the cast is unparalleled. Look, the person who's doing the heavy lifting, and I can't tell you anything about his character, but Stephen Graham, who was in Boardwalk Empire, he played Al Capone, and then he was in Peaky Game Blinders. Oh, I God, said it. That's a great, that was a great impersonation. I'm sorry. Honestly. No, it was. <laughs> but he's authentic. doing, he is actually doing his best work ever in this. He is so good. He's you're really so, underrated. You're so creeped out by him. He's so great. But look, what I love is that these, all these actors are at a really weird show. Because Shira Haas, who was in Unorthodox, she's so good. She's playing the 2053 detective. There, it's uh, it's a weird show, but they're not acting weird in it. They are acting like I am doing Shakespeare at the Globe Theater. Like oh. I'm taking this seriously. And so they're all really, really good in it. It's all the tent poles of a good thriller. You've got detectives with secrets, surprising villains, unexpected twists, but it also has time travel. And existential questions that may or may not get answered. I like it that. It gets a little, you do have to pay attention because one time I was like, I don't know what just happened. And then they were like, yeah, just like that guy just said in that previous scene. And I was like, That's oh, awful. I got to go back. Thank you. So you, you, you do have to pay attention in this show, but it's really, they, listen, I didn't think they would stick the landing because I was watching this way into the early morning hours. And I was like, I swear to the heaven above, if they don't stick this landing and they weirdly did. And it was weird and fun. And I liked it so much. So look at I that. Look at it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to green light uh, the killer on Netflix. Uh, this was uh, the starring Fastbender. Uh, it's directed by David Fincher, um, who, uh, I mean, he's a season pass. He's like a green light on site for me right now. I'm just going to watch oh, everything yeah. he does always. Uh, David Fincher's social network, uh, seven gone girl. Um, he's just like on a real heater, like in his entire life. But this is, it's, uh, I don't think everyone's going to love it because it's a bit of a, you watch it and you're like, I don't know that I have the handle on what I'm watching. It has to marinate with you. Um, it's like the, the, the fundamentals of what it is, is Fastbender's a hitman and, um, he has a job, hijinks ensue, things go awry. He has to deal with them. Uh, but the way that it's told, it's really, you know, it kind of uh, sounds like what you were talking about, Jamie, like it's really a movie about existential dread. It just happens to be like a hitman uh, dealing with a job gone bad. And like, that's how he okay. channels it. There's a lot of um, voiceover. He's narrating his own thoughts. There's not, Ooh. he's, I, this is going to be weird, but like the hitman doesn't have like a lot of relationships and conversations with people. So that's kind of strange. Um, it's almost like a very. He's not in a book club. He should be. I mean, he would benefit <laughs> tremendously from it. Right. Tilda Swinton plays a hit person in it. She seems like she's in a in a book club. She's having a great I, time. I, I love, love her, her life. so much. So much. Yeah. She goes to a restaurant. She has her own bottle of bourbon. And she's like, she knows the waiter by name. Feels like a really good life. Like things are going well for her. But it it, it really reminded me of um uh, Fight Club. It's like a very Ooh. restrained unverbose fight club in terms of you're watching the characters doing things, but you're also hearing their thoughts on like God and existence, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of this was um, it's a very orderly, neat movie, you know, okay. there's some like fight scenes and stuff, which are really good uh, and well done, but it's just like, I'm just really, it's like the ASMR of the eyes of like people who have very organized lives and like, it's not, there's not chaos and they don't have 15 soccer practices to go to. 
you know, and like, they can just like go and be like, there's the thing I need. And it's right there. Crazy how that works. You know, that's nice to me. He just has like a, like a storage, like a parking thing. And he goes in and like all his weapons there. I'm like, that's so it's illegal. Those are like, those are weapons, but that's very, it just feels really weird that you're going to bring an Uzi out of a, like a, like just a storage. Yeah. But it's in, it has its own placement in the foam. That's so organized. Uh, He's a label maker. That's really nice. This just, it feels like if you like Dexter, but like you wanted Dexter to have been made by the people at Anthropology, this is probably the, the movie for you. You really like uh, it. You, I'm going to watch it tonight. Like, yeah. there you go. That's perfect. It's Love really it. good. I really enjoyed it. Um, okay, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. And before we go, remember, anytime you're doing shopping on Amazon, make sure you go to Amazon.com slash shop slash the podcast first. So your purchase user our affiliate link. If you're adding purchase using that link this week was Jamie. This is a official cookbook of the Gilmore Girls. Which I kind of love because the actual Gilmore Girls, the literal ones, Emily, Lorelai, and Rory, didn't really cook. That was kind of okay. their thing is that yeah. they, none of them cooked. But this includes like Suki's risotto, Mrs. Kim's flaxseed muffins, Luke's cheeseburger. Um, this has 4.8 stars with a thousand ratings. But I did want to read a review. They gave it four stars and said, Deb, Deb wrote this. And she okay. said, and Deb has written 5,894 reviews. Okay? Whoa. Okay, so she's a power reviewer. And she said, My sister told me about Gilmore Girls a few years ago, and I was instantly a fan of this old series. She couldn't resist getting me this cookbook that highlights stories from the series and important food locations from the series. Okay. Now, I'll return the favor and re-gift this to her. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. That's the review? That's it? That's that's the review. First of all, that's yeah. not a good review. That, I guess that's how you can write so many, because they're, not, they're, they're short and not good. Yeah. But also... You're just going to re-gift the book. She gave you a gift. You can't give the gift back to the person that... When you re-gift something, you give it to someone else. You're returning the book. That's what you're doing, Deb. So weird. All right, you guys. Don't forget, if you would like to become a best friend of the show and get the more you know like you got today all the time and then also many other features we would love to have you join us over on patreon so you can go to noxandjamie.com slash patreon or hit the link in the show notes i'm jamie golden you can find me on twitter and instagram at jamie b golden i'm nox coy you find me on socials at nox mccoy thanks for listening we'll see you next time bye guys